Defense Minister Anita Anand has unveiled what she describes as an ambitious roadmap to reform the Canadian Armed Forces culture amid what experts have been calling now for a while a sexual misconduct crisis. Um, she filed a new report today to Parliament. This is a response to that huge report we talked about back in May that was done by former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour. Um, and Minister Nand is calling this an all-hands-on-deck effort to address the dozens of recommendations made in that Arbour report. You'll remember that report was officially launched in May 2021, or the work on that report was launched in May 2021 in response to allegations of sexual misconduct at the highest ranks of the Canadian Armed Forces. Anand said today, the government will accept all 48 recommendations made by Arbor. That wasn't clear back in May when it was released. All 48. And she says cultural change will take time, but she plans to see it through. Culture change will not happen overnight. And that it cannot happen from the top down. It will only succeed if it is a team effort. And it will continue to require the involvement and the commitment of every D&D employee and CAF member. My goal is to put in place the institutional reforms necessary so that cultural change can last our lifetimes. This has been an emotional subject for the Defence Minister. We interviewed her uh, back in the winter, and this was something she feels very passionately about, uh, for good reason. I mean, right now, this is one of those cultural issues the military needs to figure out, principally so they can recruit and retain people to make it a better workplace, so to speak, because ultimately, it is many things. It is also a workplace. Sam Samplonius is the co-chairperson of Not Just 20K, a volunteer support and advocacy group for military sexual misconduct and assault victims. And she joins me now from Kingston. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate the opportunity to share our opinion. I know that when the report was released, a lot of us, many of those more, some of the bigger recommendations were accepted right away. But I guess a lot of the devil was going to be in the details. And we got more of the details today from the defense minister, at least committing to going forward with all of uh, Justice Arbor's recommendations, which is, I, I, how, how satisfying is that? Oh, well, very satisfying. We, we believe that Madame Arbor put a lot of thought and effort and a lot of engagement into coming up with her recommendations. I also like within the report how she tied a lot of her recommendations and the specifics about them to the previous report by Madame Deschamps and uh, Justice Fish. So that's really what I had kind of done. I'd gone through the, the three reports of recommendations tried to find the ones that were tied together because obviously if it's something that keeps coming up, that's probably one of your priorities to work on. And it looks like somebody has you know gone through all the recommendations, hopefully checked off all the ones that are easy enough to do. Like maybe it's just a policy change. Maybe it's just a, you know, wording change. I'm glad that they've done that to really try to get as much done as possible now that they've decided that they're going to do them all. And that was good to see. What were some of the more important ones that you were looking for? I know from the reporting, of course, there was reforming the college system. That's been talked about. There was clearly the big one was moving sexual assault cases to civilian courts. But uh, in those of the ones that were uh, committed to today, which ones were you really looking to see? I was looking to see for the sending the cases to the civilian courts. Um, that one's, if you want to call it near and dear to my heart, um, my case was done through the civilian courts. So I've had some concerns with some of the procedural things that happened, some of the lack of information about military culture. 
So when we've been engaged in some of the uh, stakeholder engagement sessions with the military justice department, uh, their renewal program that they have going on where they're looking at all the ways that they're doing things. That was one of the things that uh, I had pointed out was that if, you know, they were going to go forward with that because at this time it was uh, the year prior before they started doing that. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that it would be very advantageous to have a military liaison assigned to each case so that when the civilian courts have military culture type questions, they can ask a nonpartisan person that still has the knowledge but doesn't have a vested interest in the outcome of the trial. When you look at the pace, I know that there's been some back and forth uh, about this with the minister and and others about just how quickly this is taking place. The minister clearly says this is complicated. A lot of this is provincial or clearly provincial, uh, and it's going to take time for some of these cases or to to come up with a framework and have these cases transferred over. Is it going fast enough for you? It's never fast enough, is it? You know, it's, it's really a balance between trying to ask the questions as to why isn't it faster Getting the answers, sometimes you can get an answer that you realize is, okay, you're just trying to divert attention. And then others are quite legitimate. And we talk about procedural legislative changes that need to happen. We are concerned that, and we kind of expected that, that some of the police forces would say they just don't have the resources to do the investigations. And really, that's what it comes down to is is we want to ensure that anybody coming forward has the best processes for them and their case. And I'd say personally, one of the things that I was concerned about is the language in the recommendations pretty much states that everything will be transferred to the civilian courts, no ifs, ands, or buts. But yet we've heard from some some victims and survivors that they don't want it to go to the civilian courts for, for their particular case. And I would like to see perhaps that there be that caveat in there that, you know, the victim be consulted because really this is their life that that we're talking about. This is their situation that's happened. And I would like to see more consultation with that victim to determine what it is after they've been well informed of all the the aspects and the resources available to them as to whether they do want it to go to civilian court. Because when you don't have a choice, you don't have a voice. Yeah, you've you've often been quoted as talking about a survivor centric approach, uh, even though this is, you know, this one in the military with the military aspect to it has always felt more complicated from the outside. But I suppose survivor centric is not complicated in itself. No, really, it's just asking the person that's involved, like how, you know, you can tell them this is how it's supposed to go by policy. Are there going to be abilities for people to say, you know, I I really don't feel comfortable going to a civilian court to pursue this. I want it done within the military system. However, at the same time, I, I think that putting it out to the civilian courts does make it very clear that there's no military involvement in the decision-making process that's happening. There's hopefully no bias that's going on, all those things. So, I mean, there are pros and cons. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more of the working group's reports on what it is that they feel is going to be best about it and what's going to be worst about it. But also let's, it might just be a matter of let's just do it, get it done and see how they, they work out. The college system is an interesting one because it's not one that that's jumped out to me right away when the first report came out, but it's been talked about quite a bit. And uh, Madam Justice Arbour was appearing today in front of committee, and she w- was quite passionate about how she felt the military wasn't taking that one seriously enough. What is the recommendation and what would the impact be? Well, she is recommending that it be examined. Um, there's different facets of it that need to be examined. 
That, that is a complicated one. There is no denying the fact that there, there is an issue at the colleges with a sort of a, that's the way we've always done it. So we're going to keep on doing it that way. So that obviously is an issue because the way we have been doing things has not been good for anybody, whether it be women being assaulted or marginalized groups. We're hoping that this, this working group that they've stood up is going to uh, put the pedal to the metal and really look at things quickly. There's enough data out there. There's also people saying that um, well, going to civilian university isn't necessarily going to completely solve the problem. And to that, I would give some sort of agreement to because when we talk to our university counterparts in the civilian world, we hear that there are issues there. We just don't hear about them as often as we do about RMC because they're not obviously a federally run or taxpayer funded entity. So again, it's it's the support for victims and survivors. It's the awareness of knowing how uh, sexual misconduct affects victims and survivors. And in the end, I think it's going to be a combination of the recruiting stance that they've also talked about beefing up and really looking at perhaps like a probationary period for recruits so that it's a easier to release them if they turn out not to be suitable. Sometimes people don't show up as as having the types of behaviors that we're, we're trying to eliminate within the military until they've actually served within the military. Sometimes you get that group mentality of everyone's like, oh, well, everybody else is doing it, so it must be okay. Right. Um, I mean, I, I imagine that's the big challenge. Specifically with the military colleges, this is the idea of changing the culture, right? It's changing the culture. Right. And where does that culture begin? I know that's a difficult, uh, a very difficult question. Do you feel like, I mean, there's always the accusation that this will go sit beside the other reports and simply be agreed to and then put away and gather dust. But there seems to be a real motivation here to make sure that doesn't happen. And I gather we're hearing it from the minister um, on down. And, and I agree with that. I think, you know, like there's been people advocating for change for, for decades. I quietly did my own advocating within the system um, for the past 40 years, just, you know, like pointing out when I thought things were, were just inappropriate or disrespectful and just really trying to stick up for people in that we're all on the same team. So let's all work together. And I find that now is the time people are listening. People have heard the horrible things that have happened and nobody wants to stand for that anymore. And we're continually still hearing some things coming out of the, the woodwork that are just, you just got to shake your head and go like, okay, we've talked about this. We thought we all agree these things were inappropriate. And yet there's still pockets of inappropriate behavior this has been such a long journey for you. Do you feel like you're any closer to to a place that you'd like to see? Absolutely. I currently had advocated for more like diversity and inclusion and equality stuff previously. I've been advocating under MST stuff since 2015. And I think as we came up to the, the deadline for the class action, I think that was the catalyst there where people actually could see statistics and say, look, there is over 20,000 people now that have applied into the class action. And that's just the people that, that had the strength to be able to apply for that. So we know that there's more out there. Hence our name. It's not just 20K. It's not just but, the 20K. Yes, of course, the name yeah, of the group. Yeah. You know, and then there's also like families involved, like, like for myself, like after the court case, it devastated our family and we just couldn't put it back together again. All I have now is my kids and I don't have a husband and my cats and my dog are gone. You know, I'm slowly replacing all of those, but um, it's, 
the impact and the harm that happens is more than just to someone's career. It's more than just to their life. It's more than just to their families. It's like their friends. And we need to stop. And I think people are finally at that point where we're saying, yes, enough is enough. We need to change this. And I've been in the meetings and I've heard people talking and I've heard the briefings and you can see that there's a willingness. The problem is, is the bureaucracy that we have to get through. You know, the working groups, working groups have a place, yes, but I really, really hope that they can push through and, and not let the bureaucracy slow them down and the red tape and we can get some real answers and real solutions because now we've identified the problems and there'll always be problems to identify. I think the the report tabled by Minister Anand, it's, it is a good roadmap. I would have hoped that we were further along that trip than where we are now. And that's all we can keep doing is keep putting, keeping the pressure on and saying, okay, what about this? What about that? What about this? Asking questions, holding them to what they've said that they're going to do. That's what's going to make things change. And I think that the willingness to do so is definitely out there because now it's blown wide open. The public knows the mess that we're in and the public wants to see it cleaned up. And so do people even serving and within the military. We all want to see it be a better place for people to work. Sam Samplonius, uh, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ben.